Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM, hosted by CFRC's News Collective, Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here's your local news rundown for today. Join the Chinese tradition of letting go of the past year and welcoming the new year with good fortune. On January 25th, Yan Mak of the Chinese Canadian Association of Kingston and District is hosting an origami workshop at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library's Isabel Turner branch. Participants will make a 3D paper lantern. The Lunar New Year is among the most widely celebrated festivals on Earth, acknowledged by numerous nations and cultures. The Chinese New Year ends with the Lantern Festival, marking the first full moon. Jake Miller, the librarian of adult programming, says the Lunar New Year is a time of many celebrations. This is an exciting opportunity to participate in cultural exchange, promote heritage, and learn about the significance of Chinese lanterns and how to make one yourself. Registration is required for the program, which runs from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. On January 25th, space is limited. To register, visit calendar.kfpl.ca or call 613-549-8888. This event is generally supported This event is generously supported by the friends of the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. The Kingston Frontenacs are one of the four OHL teams vying to host the 2024 Memorial Cup, and the team's move ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline could help set the team up to be competitive ahead of next year's tournament. On Monday, January 9th, the team traded the NHL's fourth overall pick, Shane Wright, to Windsor, fresh off a gold medal with Canada at the World Juniors after stints with Seattle and their AHL affiliate. Kingston followed that up by trading 19-year-old defenseman Braden Hash to the Barry Colts for five draft picks and dealing Jackson Stewart to Owen Sound for 17-year-old defenseman Cal Ewens, a native of Napanee. For Wright, Kingston is receiving seven picks. Defenseman Gavin McCarthy, who is currently committed to Boston College for next season, and Ethan Medima, a 17-year-old forward selected fourth overall in 2021, are projected to be picked in the second round of the 2023 NHL draft. Medima and Yoon's both already suited up for Kingston in their Wednesday loss to Ottawa. While Kingston sits in a playoff spot at the moment, their moves leading up to the trade deadline mostly shift the focus to the near future. The Saginaw Spirit, Niagara Ice Dogs, and Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds are the three other teams hoping to play to host to the Memorial Cup in 2024, welcoming the top teams from the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL. Both the Spirit and Ice Dogs were also active on Tuesday's deadline, setting themselves up for a more competitive season and beyond. Saginaw also has Michael Misa, the 2022 first overall pick, granted exceptional status. With Kingston adding a boatload of draft picks along with Ewens and Medima, a forward who could be among the OHL's best next season, they strengthened their 2023-24 roster and with it their bid to host the CHL's top tournament. The Frontenacs will officially submit their bid ahead of the January 31st deadline, looking to host the tournament for the first time in its over 100-year history. This coming Tuesday, January 17th, Kingston City Council will discuss a recommendation from city staff to support this team's bid with a total contribution of roughly $635,000. The money from the city would include $374,000 for staffing, facilities, and equipment, and $261,000 in direct costs with the report said would come from the city's working fund reserves. The money allotted would only be needed if Kingston is successfully chosen as the host city. While the operation comes at a significant cost, host cities see a boost from the tournament with this year's 
host Kamloops, estimating the value for the city to be between 12 and $14 million. The 2019 tournament in Halifax brought almost 19,000 people to the city. In the report to council, city staff say the event typically is a budget of approximately $13.5 million and projects to attract over 55,000 spectators for an economic impact of $20.4 million. Tourism Kingston will also be seeking support through the Ontario Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Sports Marquee Fund as a Memorial Cup bid clearly meets the criteria for the fund. The successful bid will be announced in March of 2023. The story was written by Owen Fullerton of YGK News for the Local Journalism Initiative. Join the City and Sustainable Kingston at the 2023 Climate Change Symposium on Thursday, January 19th. This free event is open to all ages and the lineup promises to inspire you to take climate action. Sustainable Kingston is proud to partner with the City again this year to bring together this incredible lineup of speakers who will lead fascinating discussions about climate change, innovation, food security and local efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, says Jeff Henry, Chief Operating Officer at Sustainable Kingston. This year's event features a keynote speaker, Catherine McKenna, former Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, and Paul Taylor, anti-poverty activist and educator. Both speakers will follow a panel discussion on energy management and innovation led by local experts. Ali Hassan will return for the second year to MC the event. Hassan is well known for his broadcasting experience with CBC, having hosted programs such as Laugh Out Loud and Canada Reads. Hassan also released a new book, Is There Bacon in Heaven?, a heartfelt and funny memoir based on his hit stand-up comedy. If you're interested in attending, be sure to visit sustainablekingston.com to sign up. You can attend as an individual, a family, or a class. All are welcome, says Jeff Henry. If you have questions about the event, please email Jeff Henry at jeff at sustainablekingston.com. That's G-E-O-F-F at sustainablekingston.com. That's your local news rundown. Thank you so much. And now we're going to throw it over to Cindy for our Artist of the Week. Oh, hey, everyone. This is Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with this week's local artist to watch and talking amongst volunteers and staff just hanging around uh, at CFRC Studios this week. A band that seems to be on a lot of people's minds here would be the Astros. All bands were sidelined by the pandemic. We can all agree on that. But this band in particular sits heavily with me on this particular point. They hit the scene about five months before the shutdown, just got getting started amidst a lot of local momentum. And the teenage band uh, famously had a 15-year-old drummer. They were out there playing bars, even though they weren't old enough to be in them. It was all pretty exciting. And uh, what I really like about this band is they reminded us that we need more all-ages venues in the Kingston area. And, and that actually has come around since they got started, which we'll get to in a minute. But I like that they've taken the most that they could out of collaborating through the pandemic and to make something of a band that was once a bunch of high school students in Kingston and then some of the members have gone off to other cities to go to school and they've still managed to stay together. And that's something that's very difficult for a lot of high school bands. It usually ends there. Well, this band has managed to put out their second album this past November and it created a whole new energy behind the Astros. And in fact, they were the first band to play the newly opened all-ages venue, The Broom Factory, late last summer. And the new album is called Sci-Fi Radio. A lot of you might already know about it. It's a really well-produced album, and it puts together what I think the band members have continued to learn about their calling card, Space Rock, but also production and just trying new things as they learn more about music, uh, just collaborating and 
managing to still work together even if they're in different cities. So I, I like that perseverance and I'm, I'm loving the synth layering on this album in particular. And honestly, uh, their jumpsuit drip is also something I love. So Tim, Andy, Ben and Benji, we are excited to see what 2003 is going to be for you. Their shows are unpredictable and on the local scene, like I said, they have a dedicated, uh, dedicated fan base that continues to grow. And I'm just so excited to see what they come up with next. So here uh, for you is uh, their title track from the album Sci-Fi Radio that they just put out this past November. And stick around next week for another local artist to watch.
these days listening is tough Cause they stop playing the good stuff Is there something I should know? Or are you just getting stoned? Listening to sci-fi radio Hello and welcome to Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh and here are your campus news headlines for today. Dr. Michael Cohen, a Jewish family doctor who trains medical students at Queens, received an anti-Semitic death threat on December 22nd over Hanukkah. This is the latest in a series of anti-Semitic incidents affecting the Queens community. Dr. Cohen shared a picture of the letter on Twitter, which included a death threat and referenced an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. In November, Queens warned students of a rise in anti-Semitism among the community in response to an incident at the Queens' new Albert Street residence, where a swastika was drawn on the fridge on the fifth floor. The swastika was removed, but no known action was taken against the perpetrator, who has not been identified. The university has put in place supports available on campus through campus security, human rights advisory services, and faith and spiritual life, and encourages anyone who has been personally affected by any form of human rights-related discrimination or harassment or hate to contact these offices. The Kingston Police have a non-emergency phone line and online reporting system for reporting anti-Semitic incidents in Kingston. To support community members affected by an incident of anti-Semitism or victimized by hate crimes, the Kingston Police have also implemented the Kingston Police Reassurance Program, in which an equity, diversity, and inclusion officer will follow up with victims and complaints of all hate incidents and offer them relevant support services. It is important to note that anti-Semitism is not an isolated issue and is not limited to the university campus. It is a global problem that affects the Jewish community everywhere. It is crucial that we all take a stand against anti-Semitism and all forms of hate and discrimination. The university community must work together to create a safe and inclusive environment for all students, staff, faculty, regardless of their background. In other news, the union representing Queen's University's graduate student workers, PSAC 901, has launched a new mental health and hardship bursary for graduate students. The bursary will provide up to $1,000 per year to support mental health of graduate students and is set to distribute $120,000 over the next two years. The bursary is in response to what PSAC President Astrid Hobel calls Queens's insufficient supports for graduate students. Hobel stated that graduate students are suffering with their mental health, especially with the fact that their stipends have not gone up much since over the past decade. The bursary is meant to cover both wellness expenses and living expenses, which can both have an impact on mental health. Next, Queen's University student elections are currently underway, with nominations opening for AMS executive, undergraduate trustee, and faculty society positions. Prospective candidates need a certain number of signatures from students to be nominated. AMS executive and undergraduate trustee nominations open on January 12th and extend until January 16th. ACES nominations open on January 11th and end on January 20th. Engineering Society nominations for executive and junior senator positions open on January 12th and end on January 18th, with an extended period of nominations from January 19th to 22nd if needed. 
SGPS nomination period started on January 11th and will end on January 25th. Students will be able to vote for their faculty, society, and larger campus-wide executives when the ballot arrives in their email. In other news, Queen's University's libraries are planning renovations and strategic development in alignment with the university's strategic plan. Six areas will be addressed, research impact, student learning, research and teaching integration, global engagement, community relations, and organizational culture. Their development will be guided by feedback from students, researchers, and instructors. The library's website will be reimagined and the main floor of Stauffer Library will be revamped for the first time since the 90s. The library's collections will also be made more diverse and accessible and will support the accessibility materials through free open education resources. The library is working to support the next generation and updating the facilities for archives and special collections and forming strong community relationships. That's all the headlines for today. Now over to sports. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Bergera, and it's time for your CFRC Sports Update. Your Queens Golden Gales have once again had a stellar weekend with amazing performances across the board. The men's volleyball team had a match against the Windsor Lancers. After a tough start, the Gales found themselves down two sets and would need to dig deep for a three-set comeback. In the third, the Gales narrowly edged out the Lancers with a score of 26-24. Next, the Gales had another close and hard-fought set, winning out the fourth 26-24. And it all came down to this. In the fifth and final set, Queens took an early lead and did not give it up, winning the fifth set 15-10 in a monumental three-set comeback. The women's basketball team remained undefeated with a big win over Algoma, increasing their record to 12-0. In the latest U Sports ranking update, the Gales have moved to be ranked second nationally just behind the Regina Cougars, their closest local competition being the Ottawa GGs who share an undefeated record. They are definitely shaping up to be one of the top contenders within the OUA standings. The women's next game is against the Windsor Lancers on Friday, January 20th in the Arc Main Gym. For tickets, please go to GoGalesGo.com. It's always great to support your Gales. The men's hockey team had a huge match against Carleton to secure their third straight win. The Gales opened the score in the first period when Duncan Campbell found the net on an early power play goal. After the Ravens evened out the score early in the second period, the Gales then had three consecutive goals for a lead they would not relinquish, winning it out 6-3. Luke Richardson was very solid in net for Queens, recording 20 saves on 23 shots for the win. With the win, the Gales improved their record to 8-9-2 on the season, and the Gales also are just one point behind Carleton for sixth in the OUA East Division standings. On that note, that's all for your CFRC sports coverage. Now over to Chris and Chancellor with a community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. To start us off, Kingston Frontenac Public Library is back with plenty of new and returning programming to kick off the new year. KFPL has something for everyone this season, offering programming and events regarding parenting, research help, cooking, arts and crafts, and much more. Just tomorrow on January 17th, they have events running all day long at their various branches and virtually. With Play to Learn and Baby and Me for newborns and young children, 
Youth drop-in with youth diversion in the afternoon, a great opportunity for youth to grab snacks and socialize at the Isabel Turner branch, spice it up for those looking to try something new in their very own kitchen, and many more events. To see other events and check out what's happening at your closest library branch, be sure to head to calendar.kfpl.ca. As of tomorrow, January 17th, the fundraiser preview for Suzanne's Closet will be on display at Union Gallery until February 4th. Suzanne's Closet has been a beloved fundraiser for Union Gallery since 1995. Student and professional artists from the Queen's community and around the country band together for a fundraiser like no other. Suzanne's Closet is the perfect event to support the Cataraqui Kingston arts community and purchase a one-of-a-kind treasure for your friends, family, loved ones, or even yourself. Tickets are still on sale for this event for $100 each and guarantee the ticket holder one artwork. Tickets are drawn in lottery style and when a ticket holder's number is called, they have two minutes to claim one artwork of their choice. Over 60 artworks are available in a range of styles, generously donated by new generation and established artists in local, national, and international scale. All are invited to view Suzanne's Closet artworks in person and a catalog will be available online. All funds raised directly support Union Gallery's not-for-profit mission and programming, including exhibitions, artist opportunities, workshops, and more. The live ticketed event will be held on February 4th from 7 to 10 p.m., so be sure to get your tickets at uniongallery.queensu.ca. Also coming up at Union Gallery, the Beyond Words BIPOC art series will be returning with another session on January 28th from 1 to 3 p.m. Beyond Words was created by BIPOC for BIPOC. Beyond Words aims to foster a safe and creative space centered in art healing for Queen's University students and members of the Cataraqui Kingston community who identify as Black, Indigenous, and people of color. They will be using art as a tool for expression and discussion in order to help facilitate healing within the mind, body, and spirit. This program is open to BIPOC Queen's students and community members. This is a free in-person program with art packages provided. Be sure to register at uniongallery.queensu.ca. While the Agnes Galleries are currently closed while they prepare for the construction of Agnes Reimagined, they still have upcoming public programs. On January 19th and 20th, Agnes will be hosting a screening, conversation, and workshop as a part of the Open Secret Screening and Workshop series, which will continue with sessions in February, March, and April. The screening on January 19th will be the film The Time That Separates Us, and the screening and conversation will take place at the screening room on January 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. The workshop will take place on Friday from 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Agnes Etherington Arts Center. All screenings are free and open to all, and workshops are free and open to students. Be sure to register at agnes.queensu.ca. Agnes will also be continuing with classes and workshops like Art Hive and Creation Station in February, so be sure to head to agnes.queensu.ca under Classes, Workshops, and Camps to add these events to your calendar. Those are all the updates I have for you today, so next up is Alex with the weather. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here I am with your weather report for the evening. Tonight will be clear with winds up to 15 kilometers an hour. There will be a low of minus 13 and wind chill minus 8 this evening and minus 19 overnight. Tomorrow it will be cloudy in the morning with periods of snow. There is a risk of freezing rain in the afternoon with winds up to 15 kilometers an hour. The high will be minus 3 and the wind chill will make it minus 17 in the morning and minus 7 in the afternoon. There will be flurries tomorrow night with a low of minus 1. And now let's jump into our traffic report for the week. Public Services and Procurement Canada wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on the LaSalle Causeway for maintenance work during the following periods, Tuesday, January 17th from 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Wednesday, January 18th from 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. During these periods, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Two flag people will be on site to direct traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. 
Public Services and Procurement Canada encourages users to exercise caution when traveling on the bridge and thanks them for their patience. Some road closures that will be in effect this week. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is of course closed until further notice. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 31st at 7pm for the Queen's John Deutsch University Centre project. Wellington Street from Brock to Princess will be closed on Wednesday, January 18th from 6am to 7pm for a crane setup to hoist material and equipment to 94 Princess Street. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until January 31st, 2023 for construction staging for 11 Wright Crescent. Please note that access to Wright Crescent will be through the north intersection of Wright Crescent and Palace Road. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29, 2023. Macdonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. The following street will be closed from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. every Monday until August 28, 2023. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick. Some other delays that you can expect, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect delays due to construction to improve drainage, construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone, Jackson Mills Road near the KMP Trail is reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements but remains open in both directions, and the Wabin crossing the eastbound lane, you can expect a lane closure on Tuesday, December 17th from 9am to 3pm for crews to access the lights on the Wabin crossing. Two flaggers will be on site to direct traffic. In regards to the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Mowat Avenue and Young Street and east of Lake Watch Lane to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements. That's your traffic report and now we're going to throw it over to Mary with some events for the week that you can check out. Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. On Wednesday and all the way until February 4th, be sure to visit the Union Gallery to check out Suzanne's Closet's preview exhibition. Student and professional artists from the Cataraqui, Kingston region, and beyond donate artworks towards Union Gallery's largest annual fundraiser. The Union Gallery is located on the main floor of Stauffer Library. Coming up on Thursday, we have the Kingston Climate Change Symposium being held virtually from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. This event has free registration and speakers such as the Honorable Catherine McKenna, the former Environment and Climate Change Minister, and Paul Taylor, the executive of Food Share Toronto, will gather to discuss the various impacts of climate change. Be sure to register at sustainablekingston.com. Next up, from Saturday to Sunday, the New Generation Conference will take place at the New Medical Building on Queen's Campus. It starts at 9.30 on Saturday and 9.45 on Sunday, with $80 tickets available online at newgeneration.com. That's N-E-U generation.com. If you're interested in attending a neuroscience-based student-run conference, this event is for you. To wrap up, just a quick reminder that the ad drop period for winter term courses ends this Friday, so make sure to finalize your course selections by this date. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events that we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. 
Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.